That's it from me. I'm going to invite Karen Jacobs up. Would you welcome Karen Jacobs as she comes and shares with us this morning? (laughs) Father, thanks for Karen. Thanks for um, just the, the, um, the incredible journey that you have her on at the moment in following you, in discovering your kingdom and moving in the power of your Holy Spirit. I just pray that you would bless her now, that all the stories and preparation, her time in the Bible, as she just opens it all up to us now, um, we just lean into, lean into the extravagance of your Holy Spirit as encouragement to Karen and blessing and transformation to our life and our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Karen. Somebody does something bad, maybe to you, something mean to you, and forgiveness is, is like when you say to them, well, instead of choosing to be mean back to you, I, it's okay, I'll still be your friend. That's kind of what forgiveness is. And we talked a little bit about how Jesus forgives and Jesus showed that he forgave us by dying on the cross for us, even though we had not done very good things, he still showed his love for us like that. So that's forgiveness. So we were onto that and then I thought, right, let's move into the application. So kids, when, let's, let's say you're at school and somebody takes your, your school stuff, like your pencils and your pens and things, do you think that you could maybe still be their friends? If we're going to forgive, we'd still be their friends, or would you want to pay them back? And with one voice, just about yelling at me, they all said in unison, pay them back! <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, let's try this again. <laughs> um, but this, uh, this year in our church, we've been focusing on three pegs of development, and those are identity, purpose, and family. So today we're going to talk a little bit about family, and the part of that that I'm going to talk about is loving one another. So in this jive example, it really caused me to reflect about what is it that the kids don't get about forgiveness? And, you know, I really thought about, well, somebody said to me, actually, he said, kids have a really strong sense of justice. You know, justice must be done. It has to be fair. So forgiveness is a very unnatural thing to try and kind of understand for them because it actually means that even if someone is has wronged us, that we still, they don't get what they deserve. And actually that's something that comes very unnaturally to most of us. Because we actually live in a culture that says people should get what they deserve. Jesus, though, he gives a different way of looking at things. He says, when I, when I talk about love, when I talk about forgiveness, I'm actually asking you that to love other people, even people that have wronged you. Now, I don't know about you, 
I find it easy to be loving towards people that I like and people that love me in return. That's really, those are easy people to love. That's when loving is easy. But it's when we need to love the unlovely people that that ask of Jesus, you know, it becomes a little bit of a tall order. So it's people that are arrogant, you know, people that are selfish, people that are perhaps really needy or people that are um, mean. You know, Jesus doesn't distinguish between the people that, that are lovely and unlovely. He says we need to love everyone. And that goes against everything that our culture says, because our culture says, no, if someone's arrogant, if someone's selfish, if someone's mean, pay them back. Pay them back. They, people will get what they need to get what they deserve. The Jesus way of loving is loving unconditionally. So that means even when people don't deserve it, and it also means that we love without expecting anything in return. And it's an upside-down principle, but actually if you think about a lot of the kingdom principles that Jesus teaches us, it's really upside-down and topsy-turvy compared to what our culture teaches us. Jesus teaches things like, if you want to really live, you need to die. He teaches things like, if you give everything away all the time, if you give generously, that's when you will receive. That's not what our culture teaches us. Jesus says... Pray for people who curse you. He says, bless those who persecute you. That's just upside down compared to what we normally hear. So it's hard stuff that he's asking us to do, really. But the thing about Jesus is that whenever he asks us to do something, he makes a way for us to be able to do it. He makes it possible. So today, in looking at family and loving one another, I decided to to look around in the Bible to see how, if I could find a Bible passage that talked about the how-to. How do we do this difficult thing of loving one another? And I settled on 1 John. Um, so we're going we're gonna to just talk through that a little bit. So 1 John, okay. So to give you a little bit of an introduction, John, um, we, if we, most accounts kind of think that he was the disciple of Jesus, named John, that wrote this book. And... 1 John is John talking to the church. So everything that we read today is actually addressed to people who already know Jesus. Okay. And he starts by saying, there is a way of light and a way of love in the world. He said, I have come across the light of the world that has not been overcome by darkness. There is a light in the world that that is not just a passing trend. It is the light that overcomes the darkness. And I, John, have testified, can testify to the fact that I have seen and heard and touched this light. And that light is Jesus Christ. Jesus came into the world, and as Jesus came into the world, he brought the love of God into the world. And then John goes into saying, well, we as his followers, we step into the light that Jesus brings. And the invitation is to everyone. But problem is that there are some people that throw around terms and talk about the fact that they are followers of the way, followers of the light. They talk as though they are in the light, but they don't actually 
do things that are right, and they don't actually love one another. And so we need to really be careful because we are actually not in the light if we are not doing things that are right, and if we are not loving each other, we actually are not in the light. We are not followers of Jesus. And so that's chapter one and two for you, summarized. (laughs) Now join me as we're going to read chapter three. Okay, now, I love this text. It is so rich in so much truth that actually you can probably spend quite a long time just digesting and pulling apart some of the the things that we're going to read today. So I'm going to ask you to just listen to what God is saying as we're reading this text. Um, Just see what stands out for you. What are the things that jump out to you? What are the concepts that you really start to think about? doesn't matter. And if your mind gets distracted and your mind starts wondering about something, that, that's quite okay because that's probably Jesus talking to you about something. Um, and, you know, there might be something from these words that Jesus t- talks to you about that, you know, you don't even have to listen to anything else that I say today because it's actually, this is what Jesus is telling you. There's so much richness in it. So listen to God. See what jumps out at you as you're reading this. <clears throat> All right, so 1 John 3, we're going to start um, just yeah, from verse 1 in chapter 3. And it starts with this amazing verse. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And he's talking to us, you know, as believers. That is an amazing, amazing thing, that the most high God, you know, the creator of the universe, he doesn't call us his subjects. He doesn't call us his minions. You know, he calls us his children, That is what we are. We are his children. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, we are now, and now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. He's talking about the law of God. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he, God, is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they've been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. 
Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. We know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts sorry, do not condemn us, sorry, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We've, uh, in the past few weeks and months, been going through some vineyard values, and one of the vineyard values is, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And that's because we believe that God loves us too much to let us stay as we are. This is exactly what John is talking about here. He's basically saying that when we step into the light with Jesus, there are going to be some changes that happen. And those changes are because he's transforming us. As soon as we're in the light, we start to become like the light. We start to become like Jesus. And so there are some things that are going to change that will be confirmation that we actually belong in the light and we are walking in the light. One of the first ones is you will stop sinning. So as we spend time in the light, we spend time with Jesus, our desire to sin becomes far less than our desire not to sin. As we turn ourselves towards Jesus and continue walking towards him, our desire to be right with God, which is also called righteous, becomes far greater than our desire to face the other way, which was our old way of doing things, which was, you know, cravings that were perhaps for the wrong things, addictions, deception. We've seen the light. The light has uncovered the darkness of that. So we want to keep walking towards the light and not continue in that old way. That's what happens when we are in the light. Verse um, 10 actually says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God. But then it goes on to say, but nor is anyone who does not love his brother. So that brings us to the second point, which is when we are in the light and we are in step with Jesus, we will start to love one another. And he's actually talking here specifically about loving one another within the church. So within Vineyard Pine Rivers and within the greater church. So loving our church brothers and sisters. So... As we spend time with Jesus, that love just increases. And then John goes on to say, well, let's talk about what that love actually looks like. And he says, this is what love looks like. So he says, let's start with a bad example. Bad example. Cain killed Abel. Killing your brother is not love. (laughs) 
don't go there, okay? But if you are not killing your brothers and sisters, then you're on the right track. (laughs) So you're already moving towards Jesus. So turn to the person next to you now and say, are you in the habit of killing people? And if their answer is no, pat them on the back and say, you're on the right track. (laughs) Go for it, I'm gonna have a sip of water. (laughs) So we're already on the right track if we're not killing people, but John does go on to a little deeper into that example. He says, why did Cain kill Abel? He said, Cain killed Abel because Abel was doing the right thing and Cain was doing the wrong thing. And so there was probably a little bit of jealousy there. And he says, don't be surprised if the world hates you. It's a bit of a strong statement. And it's a bit of an interesting progression because what he's saying is, as we come into the light, we sin less. As we sin less, we do more good things. But as we do more good things, we might have people disliking us. Interesting one. I love the way that Mother Teresa kind of encapsulates that in terms of our reaction to that. So she actually talks, there's this quote from her, you might have seen it sort of wafting around Facebook, but it's this one, that people are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. And we see that a little bit, I think, in our Mercy Center next door. It's very much an honesty policy over there. And people do abuse that. People do come and try and get more than they should or, you know, the filler bag for $5 that starts to stretch here and there. And so what? You know what? It's, we, we, we just love people anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. And I don't know, I've picked up a bit of that on Facebook. You get the, the Facebook haters that they don't like it when people keep saying how happy they are. Stop saying how happy you are. I don't care if you love your boyfriend or your husband or your wife, you know. Happy posts make me sick. So, you know, you get that. But be happy anyway. God's given us joy. Be happy, you know. Share the good things. Share the good things in life. Give the world, sorry, the good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. You know, we heard about our church finances last uh, earlier today, and you know you might have found, you might have given a big sum of money to the church last week, and this week the church is still in debt. But you know what? Keep giving. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. For you see, in the end, it is between you and God. It never was between you and them anyway. That is one of the reasons we love, is because we love Jesus. We love being in the light. And Jesus asks us to love. He asks us to love others. He says, when somebody does something bad to you, say, it's okay, I'll still be your friend. But, you know, this again, God is good. This is the God we serve. So he doesn't just leave us with that instruction. He doesn't ever ask us to do anything without showing us 
himself first and being willing to do it first. And so then John goes into the, the next example of what does love look like? And he gives the example of Jesus dying for us. That's the best example of love. Jesus died for us so that we could live. And then he says in a very simple sentence, and so we also need to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I kind of go like, what? Lay down my life. It's okay. It's one thing to say nice things and to do, you know, to, to kind of be nice to people. But Jesus steps it up another notch and he says, lay down your life. And so he's saying, use your life. Use the things that you do in your life to bless and love your brothers and sisters. Not necessarily an easy thing, but what he's trying to make a point about here is something that was in the culture of his day at that time and actually is a little bit in our culture still as well. And that is the thing that love is this mythical, ethereal feeling... It's warm, fuzzy feelings, and it's, a, it's just a really spiritual thing, you know? John's kind of cutting right through that, and he's saying, no, love is an action. And if you see someone who needs material possessions, then Jesus is calling you to provide physically for that person. That is showing love. Love is an action, and it's not just a feeling. Jesus, actually, when he was on earth, he, he talked about that a little bit. He said, when someone is hungry and you give them food, when someone is thirsty and you give them something to drink, when someone has um, no clothing and you give them clothing, when someone is sick and you look after them, when someone is um, in prison or you could term that as being an outcast somehow from society and you go and visit them, That's when you are showing love to Jesus. Those things that you do for those people, it's like you're doing them directly for Jesus because those are the things that he cares about. That is love. And if you look at those kinds of things, feeding people, clothing people, looking after the sick, that's the kind of thing that a mom does, isn't it? That's what a mom does for her kids. You know, who who looks after the kids when they're sick? Who buys the kids' clothes? You know, who, who puts food on the table and makes the meals? It could be a mom or a dad. But it's the, the point is that that's what family does for each other. Family looks after each other by making sure those things are all looked after. And what Jesus is saying is, treat people like you would your own family. If they're hungry, feed them. Give them clothes. Look after them when they're sick. Treat them like family. That's what he wants to see of us. So in our church, we really shouldn't ever see anyone who is hungry. We shouldn't ever see anyone who doesn't have enough food or who doesn't have shelter. Because the community that Jesus is calling us into is one that looks after each other, like family, so that no one is in need. So he does go on to say as well that what is the result of that? The result of that, when we are using love actively as a verb, is that we step into this place of light and we step into rest with God. And he's not necessarily talking about we lie down on our beds and have physical rest. He's saying that that tearing inside us of, oh, I want to do that, 
oh, but I actually want to do what God does. Oh, actually, but there's that, that physical internal struggle in us starts to quieten down. And we start in our souls to have a rest as we align with God, as we step in the light, as we walk in the light, as we do the things that Jesus is asking us to do. We have rest. And from rest comes a confidence in approaching God. It means that we are unafraid and we can easily go up to God and we can ask him for the things that we need and we can receive from him much more easily when we are at rest with him because we're loving one another. There's the verses 18 to 19. Let's say, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Our actions will, lo- will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. <clears throat> and Jesus said, that's how the world will know that you are my disciples. Because there will be love. You will be loving one another. It's a very, it's a very noticeable thing. And I'm sure that some of you can testify to the fact that you were drawn to this church because you saw love that was here. That's my testimony. I, I loved the love that I saw in this church when we first stepped in the doors here. It's attractive, and it's very distinguishing as well. Now, you might be saying, okay, Jesus, I see why you would want me to do this stuff, and I would like to do it, but have you spoken to so-and-so lately? Because... Do you know how moany and whiny they are? (laughs) Or have you seen what so-and-so did the other day and how they treated me? Or did you hear what so-and-so said about me behind my back? You know, this is where the rubber hits the road. We're talking about loving, but, you know, what about that person? you You know how much work it would take to help meet the needs of that person? I don't have enough love in me for that, sorry. I don't have the capacity to love someone like that, and I don't have the willpower to even try and love someone like that. Yes, well, let's get things in perspective. Let's take a step back here and have a look at what God might see in that situation. And here's the thing. You and I are somebody's really annoying person. (laughs) There is someone out there that finds us very hard to love. (laughs) And we need to keep perspective of that because Jesus loves us. In his grace, he loves us with all our flaws. And all that he's saying is, step into the light with me here. And just do as I ask you. I've loved you, now you love them. But again, God is good. Because this is the third thing that we will notice when we step in the light. To know that we belong to him. To know that we really are in the light. This is something he does to give us. So that that struggle of loving people, which isn't natural for us, and which isn't easy, so that it becomes a doable thing. He says this, you'll have the spirit in you. 
He doesn't leave us on our own to try this because it isn't really an earthly thing to love others unconditionally. It's a heavenly thing. And so he says here, as you stay close to me in the light, I'm going to put my spirit in you and my spirit in you will teach you truth. So you just take the steps that I've shown you or in the text that might be come across says, you obey my commands, you take the steps that I've shown you and I will keep filling you in the light with more and more of who I am and I will keep filling you with the spirit and as you fill with my spirit, you will get more of my heart and you will be able to do things of great love. He says, my spirit inside you is much greater than any opposing spirit that comes from the world. With his spirit, great love is possible. We see there's a, verse 24 says this, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. You can pop on to the next one. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. That's how we know we're in the light, because the spirit is in us. Here's an interesting little story or study. In Harvard, they, one of the longest standing studies they ever did was of human development and what makes humans flourish. It was a study that they started with university graduates, or no, not graduates, undergraduates, and it started in in 1938, and it actually only finished in 2012. 75 years, and um, they tracked the lives of these students over these 75 years, right up until their retirement. So the, the, the subjects of the study were in their 90s when the study ended. And they tracked all sorts of things because they wanted to come down to what is it that makes humans flourish. So they looked at things like personality, IQ, um, religious views, sex life, political views, drinking habits, family relationships, just mental health, physical health. They just took as many things that they could from life to say, let's follow, let's just track all these things in these people's lives and let's just see what actually makes people flourish. What is it that comes out? <clears throat> Well, as you can imagine, they got lots of really interesting data, lots of correlations between things, and there were books written and all sorts of things. But at the end of the study, there were two really important points. Is what, what is the worst thing? What is the greatest disruptor of life, of happiness and of health in life? The greatest disruptor. I'll keep you in suspense. <laughs> well, the greatest disruptor <clears throat> was... <coughs> Excuse me. Alcoholism. <clears throat> Alcoholism is the number one cause of divorce, and it was really closely associated with <clears throat> neurosis, depression, and death. Alcoholism is the number one disruptor of a happy life. But on the upside, the factor that had the most powerful correlation with health and with happiness was warm relationships. Warm relationships. 
is the greatest contributor to health and happiness. And so right at the end of the study, the, ma the man who directed the study, George Vallant, kind of said, you know what, this whole $2 million, 75-year study can be summed up in this one statement. Happiness is love. Full stop. And can you just imagine, I can just imagine Jesus standing next to Mr. Vallant and going, yes, brother, I have been saying this for over 2,000 years. <laughs> Thank you for broadcasting it to the world. So there it is, whether you want to listen to Jesus or whether you want to listen to Harvard's best longitudinal study, love one another. Loving one another is the way of happiness. It's the way of contentment. It's the way of freedom. It's the way of the light of the world. It's the way he showed us. It's the way of changing from a death-based existence to a life-based existence. Loving one another is worth it. It's hard, but it's worth it. So... Are you with me on this? It's good to love one another. Yes. Okay. What we're going to do now is use the passage and what it says, which is let's, let's be active about this. Let's take action. So what we're going to do is pray for someone now. It's going to be a silent exercise. Please don't say their name out loud. <laughs> but what we'll do is just think about that annoying person in your life. Think about that person that's really hard to love. Let's focus on the church as well. So let's think about someone in the church that's really hard to love. Let's think, and it could be this church or it could be the wider church. It might be someone that is really needy. It might be someone who has caused you offence. might be someone who you've offended. It might be someone that you're just not getting along very well with right now. Let's think of them. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And I want you to just listen to what Jesus is saying to you about this. I'll, I'll pray, but you don't have to use my words. And let's just ask Jesus to show us how he sees that person. And let's ask, us to, ask, ask him to just fill us with his spirit to enable us to love that person, <laughs> which is not easy. So Jesus, thank you. <clears throat> thank you for your words of life to us, that are life-giving. Thank you that you desire for us to be living in the light, to be living away from darkness, to be overcoming darkness. Thank you just that you show us the things that are good for us. And thank you that you love us as well. And so right now we want to lift up that person, that person, to you, Jesus. And I ask you, Jesus, that you would just show us now how you see them. How do you see them? Thank you that you love them. Thank you that you've overlooked our flaws. You've overlooked all the things that we've done wrong. 
and that you, in the same way you, you love them and you overlook the things that they do wrong too and you love them anyway. And Jesus, right now, we want to ask that you would enable us by your spirit. So Jesus, would you just fill us up now with your spirit of love? We know that you love your church way too much for there to be problems in it. You want to see unity. You want to see friendship. You want to see reconciliations, Jesus. And so right now we ask that that spirit that is from you, that loves your church and loves the people in your church, that you will come and fill us up now and just enable us, Jesus, enable us to love the way that you do. We want to ask Jesus that you would abundantly bless that person that we have prayed for today. Bless them, Lord. Bless them in the best way that you can think of or that we can think of. And if you want to insert way here, put that in your prayer now. We want to pray your very best for them, God. Amen. So if we're really going to do the stuff that John is talking about here, um, we've started. Well done. We've already taken action. We've prayed for someone, and we've taken that step in the light towards Jesus, towards loving someone that's hard to love. Now I'm going to take it even further and say, how about this? And this is for you to decide in your week ahead is... How about you actually go and do something to love that person this week? How about, just some ideas, that you provide something for someone that you know that they need and that you give generously to them? Or how about you stop ignoring that person that you've constantly been avoiding and avoiding eye contact with, etc., and you actually go and say hello to them and ask them how they're going? What about if... Um, somebody has been nagging you to do something, just go do that thing. What about spending some quality time with someone? If you've had a fallout with someone, if you're in the wrong, maybe the action of loving this week is about going and saying, hey, sorry, sorry. And showing that you're intentional about making up the friendship again if you've had a fallout with someone and they're in the wrong. Maybe it's about going to them and telling them how hurt you feel and starting that conversation to show that you're intentional about patching that friendship up and that you're not going to just write them off. Maybe it's just something practical like dropping off a gift or a card or a letter without expecting anything in return. That's loving each other. We didn't read this part, but I think it's a beautiful summary to what we've been talking about, and that is 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Amen. Right, so that's all I have to say for today, but I think what we need to do is just wait and hear what Jesus might be saying to us um, now, because he might just be making some space for us to step into light um, to overcome some darkness, perhaps, or, or just to move us in a direction. So let's just hear what he has to say.